Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Pastor Tom Carano. Good evening. How are you guys doing? All right. That has got to be the longest that I have to teach, besides the actual class or something like that. So I think we're going to have a snack break at about 7.30. We could probably fit it in. I've been trying to eat like six meals a day, so I think I'm going to start getting hungry by the time that clock goes down to zero. So um, again, good evening. I'm really excited tonight. I'm really excited about um, everything that's going on, our, going on in our church with the new campuses with the REACH campaign. How many of you guys are excited about that? Awesome. So a pastor had asked me to share on the importance of, of personal evangelism. And just if, me personally, this is a subject that is really near and dear to my heart. It's something, I've been a Christian for 25 years. It's something that I personally have taken seriously since the day I became a Christian. And it's something I'm passionate about. I've you know, did different things over the years, teachings, classes. I was able to um, train at the Billy Graham, his last crusade through the Billy Graham crusade. I was able to be part of that. So I really have such a heart for this. What pastor teaches at the church, he has such a heart for evangelism and gotten that over the years. So it's just something that's near and dear to my heart, but really greater than that, it's near and dear to God's heart. So I'm just telling you that to let you know how excited I am, how honored I am to be up here and how seriously I take the word of God. The word of God is seriously. It's an honor to be able to share the word with you. So this is something that's, that's out of my heart. It's not just, oh, let's talk about this. So I'm very excited. So here's what I believe that God wants to accomplish in us tonight. This simple. What I believe God wants to accomplish tonight, he wants to remind us how valuable each of us are to him personally and how important we are to the kingdom of God and fulfilling God's plan on this earth. So do we realize whether you're a teacher, whether you're a truck driver, it doesn't matter. We have the presence of God. We're a light in this world, and God wants us to take that light to this generation. He's just going to use that as a vessel, okay? So the title of this message is It's Personal, because God wants us to take his mission personally. Now, how many people ever heard the term, it's personal, right? Usually, it's an Italian guy on the street saying, yo, now it's personal. Usually, he's mad because you mess with his kids. It's personal, right? So we hear it on the negative connotation, but on the positive side, when something's personal, it's heartfelt. It's something you're passionate about. So that's the way we want to look at it tonight, right? Listen to the word personal. I'm like my sister, Pastor Pam. She's not... She, she, I guess she left. I don't know. She, maybe she's coming back. But anyway, she, someone said to me, like, you, you're just like your sister. You guys always have to look up definitions. Like, we'll talk to each other on the phone. Did you hear that definition of that? I love definitions. So listen, listen to personal. Of affecting or belonging to a particular person rather than to anyone else. So we want to get personal today. Now, a lot of times when I preach... I don't know, I've adopted this over the years. This Reverend Tony Cook from Rame had always said, when, we, when, you, when I preach, I always say we. Because if you say you, it's like, 
You're telling them to do it, but you're not doing it. So I always adopted that over the years. We need to be on fire for God. We need to do this. But for tonight, I'm not going to be using that. So I'm talking to myself too, but I want it to be so personal. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, but I want God to talk through me to you. So act like nobody's in the room tonight. This is personal. This is time to look at our hearts and say, Lord, what are we doing? Not in a, not in a negative sense, Lord. I want to know you more. I just had an opportunity to go to the uh, Life Today show, and I, one of my favorite ministers was there, John Bevere, and this is what he said. He made a statement that was so awesome. He said, my goal in life is, number, is one of them is to love my wife more when I die than when I met her, and my other goal is this simple. I want to love Jesus more when I leave this earth than I did when I first met him, and really that's our ultimate goal is to be more like Jesus. So each and every person on this earth is valuable to God, and it's not his desire that anybody be out of relationship with him. So we're going to look at Luke 15, 4 to 6. You can turn to your Bibles, your phones. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. So Jesus came to this earth to seek and save that which was lost. We're going to see that in a second. Jesus came to this earth to do that. So we were lost at one time, right? We, every single one in here, we, and sometimes as Christians, we do forget that and we look at somebody that's lost, and maybe we forget where we came from. Oh, why are they doing that? But we did the same things. But ultimately, here's what I, I want. This is a teaching night, so I want to lay a foundation of what it really means to be lost and really see God's heart when he says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So what does it mean to be lost? Lost, no longer possessed or retained, having gone astray or missed the way, bewildered as to place, direction, distraught, desperate and hopeless. Ultimately, a person that doesn't know God is hopeless. They're helpless. They're lost. And have you ever been lost? It's, it's the most frustrating thing. Or maybe when your GPS takes you the wrong way and you just can't find your way. Think about that frustration. But think about that frustration in life, what it means to be lost and sep separated from God. A person that doesn't know God or doesn't have a relationship with him and is perishing, they're headed for destruction. Lost. We're not. We're in the kingdom. We're saved. We're, we, we know God. But there's people we come in contact every single day that are lost. Jesus was driven by passion and compassion for lost people. For the Son of Man, he came to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. I used to work in websites and search engine marketing. I'll never forget when one of our managers sent out a website, or sent out a, an email, and he said, it's this simple. We sell websites. And if you want to work here, he wasn't being nasty. He's like, you need to love websites and you need to sell, sell websites because that's our vision, because we sell websites. He's like, if you work for a shoe company, you need to love shoes. If you work for BMW, then you should, BMW needs to be the best car on the market. Well, it's the same thing. Our CEO, our father, 
came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, if we wanna know God's heart, that's why he came to this earth, to seek and to save that which was lost. So that's where our heartbeat needs to be too. It's like saying, being a Christian and saying, well, I love God, but I don't really love people. It just doesn't even make any sense when you really think about it. Or I love God, but you know, some, sometimes we do have a different personality. Yes, some are quieter than others. That's true. But if that's our, the mission of our Father, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, then it needs to be our mission. So again, we need to take this personally today. This is between us and God. So in Matthew 9.35, it says, Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But listen to this. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because why? They were weary and they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And think about a sheep without a shepherd. And when you think of a shepherd's heart and when you think how a sheep protects the shepherd, it protects the sheep and loves the sheep and guides the sheep. Well, Jesus is known as as the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd and sheep don't really know how to find their way without a shepherd. And when you think about that picture, we need to share that heart. We need to look at the multitudes and be moved with compassion like Jesus. We need to see people in their need and be moved with compassion like exactly like Jesus. From the core of his being, he was moved when he looked at the multitudes. And I remember People might've thought I was weird or something. I was at a, I did a wedding and I did a wedding on a farm and there was like all these sheep and I was like taking pictures of them and stuff. And I was like, this is so cool to see shepherd, to see sheep. And when I know Jesus as the good shepherd, this is like really cool. And then there was a lamb and all this stuff was like amazing to me. And I had these pictures and just looking at them and looking how they need guidance and how they need love and thinking about one of them being lost. So when we think about Jesus as the good shepherd, that's the heart that we need to have. They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So if that's his heart and passion and we're his children, then we need to share that same passion. So who are these lost people? We were them at one time, but where do we find them? Obviously we know it's our coworkers, it's our friends, it's our cousins, it's our classmates, it's people we meet at Wawa, it's people we meet at Walmart, it's all those people, but they're lost. So ask the Lord, Lord, show me who I need to talk to. Show me, make me sensitive to people when I'm out there, not just running around every day like a crazy man. Let me be sensitive. So if you remember anything tonight, this is what I I want you to remember. Remember, I'm saying you because this is personal. If you remember anything tonight, remember this. You have a personal and valuable part to play in reaching the lost. So you'll never be just at anything. You'll never be just a teacher. No, never be just a truck driver. Amen. Me and Pastor Beth have a joke. Pastor Beth, you remember that? We were t- we, we t- maybe you don't remember. We were talking about just. Like, we're just praying today. No, we're not just praying. Like, we, we say that a lot. Oh, like, my mom does that a lot. Who's coming over? Oh, just us. Or she'll be like, oh, it's just your mother. Oh, the one who fed me, changed my diaper, is there. Just, it's just you, right? So sometimes we do that. I'm just a teacher. No, you're not. You're not just a teacher. That's what you do. 
but you're a child of God. You're, 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 an event, you're a person that, that's a minister of reconciliation. That's who we are. <laughs> so what I want to take us from is thinking of evangelism as something we do as opposed to something we are. We want to see it as it's who we are. Evangelism is ultimately an overflow of our relationship with God. I'm going to get to that in a second. You don't have to bring that up. So here's my first point. We're going to go through three points, okay? We're, first, we're going to talk about, we talked about the loss. We set a foundation there. Here's what I want to hone in on, and I'm very kind of like slow tonight, so just stick with me. It's very teaching-oriented. I'm not going slow because I don't have enough information, so don't worry about that. So I got, we'll go through it. So it's every Christian's personal responsibility to share the gospel message with those in their sphere of influence. That is a fact. I don't care what kind of personality we have. I don't care whether we're quiet, whether we're reserved, whether we're loud, whatever. It's every single Christian's responsibility to share the gospel message with those in their sphere of influence, their harvest field. So I will agree with this. Not everybody is called to preach the gospel publicly, but I could say this with confidence, so we're going to look at two scriptures. Every single Christian that walks the face, the face of this earth, okay, is called to share the gospel on a personal level. And we're going to talk about in a second what that means. Now, tonight, we're not going to maybe get into, maybe when you think of personal evangelism, the first thing we thought of is, okay, when they say this, I say this, when they say this. We're not going to really talk about it. This is a message that just needs to be caught. Because the truth of the matter is, if you get on fire for God, you're going to figure it out. Because passion figures it out. Love figures it out. Okay? Love puts, puts their insecurities on the line for somebody else because somebody did it for us. Passion finds a way. Give me somebody who's passion. We could teach them the scriptures, but somebody without passion you can't do much with. I want someone with passion on my team in anything. So not everybody's called to preach it publicly, but everybody's called to preach it on a personal level. In Mark, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then this scripture really sums it up. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then it goes on to say we're Christ ambassadors. So God has given us, each of, each of us, the ministry of reconciliation. Each of us, isn't that awesome? See, a lot of you guys just know that I just came in full-time in the church, and I'm very excited because that's what I'm supposed to do. And you're like, oh, he's a pastor now, he's a minister. But the truth is, I was a minister just as much two weeks ago as I am now. And everybody in this room is a minister of reconciliation. Think about that. The greatest thing you could ever give somebody is reconciliation. We love movies of reconciliation, right? Nobody likes a movie where a bad guy stays bad. Even a bad person sometimes doesn't like that. We love movies where a bad person turns good. Why? Because we love reconciliation. We love to see two parties come together. People fight, people break up. The, the truth of the matter is, if we're Christians, we should love reconciliation. We should love reconciliation in our families. The greatest, think about this, people are walking around right now. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. But you could tell him, but he doesn't count your sins against you. But I did this. What, that is the good news of the gospel. That's what people are looking for. It's the good news of the God. And you 
and me get to bring that message. We get to bring the light of the gospel, the hope, the hope of the gospel. We get to bring people who are, are down and out. We get to bring the gospel to them. People who are like sheep without a shepherd, we get to bring the gospel to. So we're ambassadors for Christ. So let's, so what do, so what do I mean? I want to clarify this. What do I mean by preaching the gospel? Because you could run out of here, okay? And you could run out of here thinking, now I have to go to Wawa with a megaphone. By the way, they're out by the hub. You can get a megaphone there. So, you, but anyway, and, and when you think about it, I'm being serious about this. Preaching the gospel is in three ways, okay? This is how we do it. The way we live our lives in front of people. That's one of the greatest witnesses, okay? But this has to be balanced because if I live my life in front of people, but I never share the words with them, well, they can't become a Christian by watching my life. They could ask and say, what's different about you? They could do that. So how we live in front of people when they see the peace when we go through storms, all right? The way, the love we show toward them by our actions. So when we walk out of here, we could live our lives in front of people as a Christian with integrity. We could show actions of love toward people that's going to change their hearts, that's going to open up doors to share the gospel. And then really the toughest part is actually sharing the gospel. When I say tough, it's probably the most uncomfortable, but it's not the toughest. So that's the three ways. When I say preach the gospel, that's what I want us to think. I don't mean go on the street with a megaphone, although, you know, that's fine if that's what you feel like God wants you to do. But regardless, we need to have a mindset that evangelism is not something we do, although it is, but it's a lifestyle, number one. It's a mindset, number two. And it's a process, number three. It doesn't happen overnight. Paul says, I plan Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. I don't know, I'm paraphrasing the scripture. I don't know if I got it right. It's not in front of me. I plan Apollos waters. I think it's God that gives the increase. So it's a process. And when it's the beauty of the process is all the pressure's not on us, right? So that's, that's the beauty of the process. So we need to have a mindset. Evangelism isn't something that we do, but a lifestyle, a mindset, and a process. So we need to take this mission personally. So Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus called the disciples into a new purpose and a new why. Just, just look at this scripture for one second. Just look at it. It says they left their nets and followed him. They, forced, they, they left everything in their lives to follow Jesus. And they followed him. So Jesus called the disciples into a new purpose, a new why. He had asked them to leave their old purposes and mindsets to follow him. They no longer would use their talents and abilities for just natural purposes, but now they would use their talents and abilities to reach people and fulfill the Great Commission. The word why is for what reason, cause, or purpose. So basically, God is doing the same thing to each and every one of us. He's calling us, right? He's calling us to go out now and live a life and live it with a different purpose, a different mindset, not just for natural purposes, but to live it 
as fishers of men. Now, I don't know if you want to go yelling that out. People might think you're a little strange, but regardless, the point is, that's what he called us to do, to be fishers of men. So how are we going to do this? So now we looked at what a lost person is. The second thing we looked at is we could see that it's our mission personally, and how many people believe that? You probably knew that already, right? A couple aren't raising their hands, so come up here. I'm just kidding. How are we, and tell me why. Start line up there, line up there. I'm just joking. So how are we going to, so we got all this down. We, we know what a lost person is. We know it's our personal mission that's settled. How are we going to do it, right? How are we going to do it? This is the greatest part in doing it. It's going to happen when we cultivate two important relationships. And Brian hit on it perfectly in his prayer. He said, let this be a personal relationship. He's, and it's personal. So it's personal, the mission, but it's a personal relationship with Christ, okay? Evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. It's that simple. It's that simple. Evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. And when we can get that mindset, we're going to change the world. Pastor Rick, I kind of joke his connect group, I call it the upper room because it kind of his house is set here, but you walk up steps and then you're upstairs. And his connect group was amazing, absolutely amazing. So I, I want to illustrate this point to just share because obviously, like Pastor Joey says, I know my stories. I don't know yours. So what happened was one night I was believing for something and I, and I started to share my need because it was an anointing to share my need. But as I was sharing my need, I couldn't get the need out because I was like believing God and I was very, just already excited. So I started laughing and I couldn't really get the need out, right? I shared it and then I kind of fell on the floor laughing. There was just a lot of healing, words of knowledge, just all different stuff. And then it was just such an excitement. So the next day I got up and me and my father went and went just walking by, a, we went to Wawa and then I was walking at Berkeley Island Park in Bayville. You guys, some of you guys know where that is. So I was walking by Berkeley Island Park in Bayville. And I had been reading a book on healing that day, and it was just an awesome book, and I had it in my car. And I really wanted to finish the rest of it, so it was one of the best books I read. I just loved it. But I put it aside, and I'm walking, and I'm just walking around, and I see this lady and her husband, and I felt like you need to go pray for them for healing. And like the strong Christian and evangelist that I am, I kept walking, right? So, and thank God, and this is kind of a good illustration, and this is kind of a lot of times how our God is with life. There's a circle. So it was a straight path. I'd never seen the lady again, but it was a circle, and I was going to see her again, and I probably knew that down deep in my heart. So as I'm walking by, this is, this is God. I now am behind, I pass them, but they go this way, and I'm walking behind him, and she's telling her husband about the x-rays that she's waiting to get back. And I'm like, okay, you didn't miss it. So I went up to her, I said, listen, I don't really mean to be rude, and I'm not trying to make something up. I felt like I needed to pray for you. And, I, and she was resistant. I'm not going to act like, oh, I laid hands on her. She fell over. I had, a, I had a big outdoor ceremony, you know, preaching. No, she was like, you're crazy. She's like, no, I'm saying. But then she was like, seriously got very like nice. And then she calmed down and I said, you know what? I have, I want to pray for you. I invited her to church. I said, I have a book in my car. And I'm thinking, why did I bring that book? It's like so good. I don't know if I could get another one. 
And I, so I go to the car, and that was a sacrifice because I really wanted to finish reading that book. That's what I was going to do when I went home. And I said, I have a book for you. And I was like, she needs it more than me. So I gave her the book, and she went on her way. So what did I, why did I tell you that story? To tell you this, what happened? Evangelism was an overflow of my relationship with God. I didn't do anything different that day. I didn't call Sudeb and say, oh, I can't talk to you for an hour because I'm going to evangelize. No, I didn't say that. I was taking a walk, and I evangelized like Todd White. You guys, guys heard li Lifestyle Christianity. He's one of my favorites. I love him. And, and I, I still wasn't, didn't understand how he did his outreaches, and he said his daughter came up to him and said, Dad, we're going to evangelize, right? Where are we going? What are we doing? What's the event? He's like, yeah, we're going to evangelize. And he's like, she's like, okay, where are we going? She's all excited. He's like, we're going out to eat. She's like, that's not evangelism. He goes, yes, it is. So they went out to eat. They ministered to the waitress. And that's what he tells people, all right, your, your job tonight is go out to eat with your friends, hang out, and let God over, overflow through you. And that's really what evangelism is. That's kind of easy. Now, there is times where we sacrifice and do have, have to do an hour or two, or we are going to do extra. I'm not saying it's not a sacrifice. And so evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. I need to take a little bit of water. And there's going to be times that, that God really, you know, moves on your heart and you got to just do something like, maybe you're not to be, supposed to be somewhere that day and you go because you just know God wants to be there and you end up ministering. Like one day um, when I was working in sales, we were working on a customer's house and I went, I, did, I wasn't working that day, but I really wanted to go to talk to that customer and I just felt, I was like, okay, Lord, I'll just do it for ministry and I went there, and it ended up happening where somebody got hit in the head, and I needed to take him to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, I had a chance to talk to him. And I'll tell you, sometimes when you put that out there and say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do, that day was supposed to be an hour. I was going to go. I was off from work that day. It was like, great, I'm going to go visit the customers, say hi, be done by 10. I was, didn't get home till 5 o'clock, but it was ministry. So, so sometimes it takes you a little longer than you want, but that's, that's where where God is. God's in, in that. So, so here's the, the scripture where evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. This is really the highlight scripture. Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. So if he said, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one, so love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There's no other commandment that ranks with these. We need to pay attention to that. And here's where I want to set us free today. How many people have come to a church service and there's nothing wrong with this and heard, God has something great for you. He's destined you for a calling. And yes, there's times he's prepared us to do something in our life down the road. John Bevere, just that, that show he was talking about, he said God gave him glimpses of things when he first became a Christian in his 20s that he didn't do till his 50s, right? And there's truth to that. But doesn't, don't you get sometimes, then that gets us looking like, okay, well, I'm being prepared for something in the future, but what about now? And that's the key. If we could learn to be content where we're at and understand this, Yes, he has a vocational calling for each of us, yes. 
Some of us, it's a teacher, it's a basketball player, it's a musician, using those gifts and talents and abilities to serve people, okay? But sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves that, you know, yeah, I'm at this job and I'm not really content. And maybe there's times it's not for us, but we have to understand something that God can use us wherever we're at. And ultimately, this is going to set us free and this is going to take all the pressure off of us because Pastor just talked about it recently. He said, you want to know your purpose? Your purpose is to love God and love people, something to that effect. You just found your purpose, go do it. So we get so much pressure, put, we put so much pressure on what we do. And I got to find this, and I, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I in the right place? But what, let's not worry about that. He'll get us there. If we spend time with him, it says he'll give us the desires of our heart, right? So here's the key. Ultimately, our first calling is to be with him. That's what we're called in a personal relationship with Christ. So wherever you go, your first calling is to be with Christ, okay? It says that, and if you don't believe me, look at the scriptures. Then he appointed the 12, what? That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Pastor just talked about that. So God not only desires to work through us, but he also desires to be with us. So as believers, it's a desire desires of our heart to make a difference in the lives of those around us. But it all begins with this, putting our relationship with God first. Loving God should be the one thing that all believers are passionate about. Out of our love for God will flow a love for others. Although God will use other areas, areas of our lives that we're passionate about in the natural as vehicles to reach those around us, but ultimately... Our first calling is to be with him. Paul said, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may be progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. He said, for my determined purpose is to know him. It says, what's it say in Jer- what's, uh, Daniel? Those who know their God shall do great and mighty exploits. Let's not focus on the great and mighty exploits because sometimes that's about us. I want to do great things. Yeah, that's the desire. We all want to do great things. But if we want to do great things without the knowing God, we're going to destroy ourselves. Let's focus on the knowing God and then the great things are going to come, right? We, see, people, when you're light, see, if you know me well, and my family's going to laugh at this, and pastor's going to laugh at this, two things, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm very, when I used to work at Pastor Joe's Deli, he's like, how much aluminum foil can one person possibly use? <laughs> Pastor Joe, nothing's changed, okay? 48 years, wait, 25 years later. And the other thing I do, people like, do you ever close a light behind you as my mom walks through the door, right? Right on cue, I go over my sister's house. My brother was here. That light's on, that light's on, that light's on. But my point with the lights is this. Do you walk in a room and say, I'm turning on the light now, everybody. You're going to see light. No, you don't. That would be ridiculous. Light shines. Light shines from miles away. We're attracted to light. We're attracted to water, right? It says that we have rivers of living water. People are attracted to water. People are attracted to light. We don't have to 
broadcast, oh, I'm the light of the world. Let your light shine, let your light shine before men so we glorify our Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. We don't have to broadcast it. We just have to be who we are. And that, that's what it's all about. So that's why Pastor Joe, in one of his messages, said this. In the garden, I have this quote in my evangelism class. I have a lot of quotes from the pastors. In the garden, he said, the first thing the enemy was after was our relationship with God. Because if he could get our relationship with God, he could get our relationship with people. Because what did it say? Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And what? That's the first thing you do. And out of that, something just like it's going to happen, you're going to love others. So if, I, if he could get our relationship with God, he could get our relationship with others. So he can't, don't let him have your relationship with God, it's personal. Spend time with God. So evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. They didn't tell them, we were just with Jesus for three hours today. And I prayed, and these are the scriptures I learned. No, they were uneducated men. They were rough around the edges, but they were with Jesus. And the anointing turns us into different people. And that's what we need is the anointing of God, a personal relationship with God. That's what's going to get it done. It's not going to be these other things, right? Think about how, cl how close of a relationship can you have with your spouse if you never spend time together? It's the same thing with our relationship with God. So when, here's the great thing. I'm really pre preaching a lot of what pastors just recently preached Easter. It's so, so much of what he said already, just confirming every, he's been talking about it so much about this relationship with God. And what he said recently, he's like, it shouldn't be hard for us to evangelize, it should be hard for us not to evangelize. You should have to hold us back from evangelizing. So when love, here's the great thing, when loving and knowing God is a priority, then evangelism becomes natural. It's something that just flows. See, we want to flow in life. So listen to the word evangelism. <clears throat> Excuse me, little water. Man, Time goes slower now on these. I used to think it went fast. We're almost done. So evangelism is the spreading of the gospel or good news by public preaching or personal witness. Okay? So the spreading of the gospel or good news by public preaching or personal witness. We do that all the time on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Macy's sales, sports, right? We're evangelists for everything. Right? Like Pastor Joy is not here today. Years back, we worked together, and there was this guy who told me like a half hour about this berry juice he was selling. No offense against berry juice. It was like years back. And then me and Pastor Joy started sharing the gospel with him, and he was like, be quiet. And I'm just thinking he spent a half an hour telling me about berry juice, and now I'm telling you. But anyway, my point is, it's, we do it with everything. When you, when you, so making God our one thing, that's the one thing we should all be passionate about. Some people are passionate about baseball, football, sports, sewing, whatever it is, uh, movies. We all have different natural passions, but the beauty where there's unity, we should all share that one passion, loving God and loving people, right? Loving God and loving people. So God designed us to be expressive beings, to know him in a deeper way. And when we spend time with him, what's going to happen, daily intimacy with God will start a passion in us, help us to keep it, and in turn affect those who 
we come in contact with. And we could do that through prayer, through the word, getting up in worship, watching Christian television, whatever it is, but spending time with God, just getting alone with God every day. So we looked at the lost. We looked at it's a personal relationship. Rather, it's a personal mission. It's a personal relationship with God. And finally, developing relationships with the lost needs to be a priority in our lives. And we're going to end here. I don't know if I'm going off from my watch or that watch, but anyway, regardless, developing relationship with the lost needs to be a priority in our lives. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Somebody brought us to Jesus. First thing he did, and I can't help but think about my best friend. I have a best friend of probably about 30 years now. And we first became friends when we were about 17. We weren't believers, neither of us. We lost touch for a while. And he was like a burnout. I was like a jock, and he would make fun of me. And then we started acting like each other, and, and I started being a little bit of a burnout. He started being a little bit of a jock. You know how your friends are. So he's my best friend all these years. And the, when I first became a Christian, I called him up, and my um, sister and I led him to the Lord in our house. And we have been friends ever since and still to this day talk. You know, our kids sometimes hang out over the years. So it's, my be- so it's the first thing I did is I took what was in me, and it's not to focus on me, and I brought that to somebody that was so precious to me. So the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah. He didn't go have lunch. Think about it. The first thing, and that's there for a reason. So it's, it's statistically proven that most people that come to Christ do so because someone that they had a relationship with invited them to church or shared the gospel with them. Pastor was just sharing at Easter time. Almost everybody that came was invited by somebody. So in essence, there's only so many people on staff at a church, right? And people focus so much on the full-time ministry and the ministry gifts. But really... The people in the congregation are really, when I say the most important, I mean, they're both important, but more important on a global level, because you could reach more people than, say, 20 or 30 staff members on a church. If you have a 10,000-member church, what's it made up of? 10% staff members, maybe even less than that, 5%, 4%, whatever it is. I don't know the percentage. So our, our walk with God is so important because it's us that God is sending out into the world to be a light to this generation. So doesn't that change such a, doesn't that give you a different thought process? Now, I'm, I'm sure most of us think this way already, but we could always think better and have, a, have a, a stronger mindset and go deeper with God. So as we talk about reaching our world, we must begin to cultivate the relationships we already have and look to develop new relationships. When Andrew found Jesus, he made it a priority to tell one of the people closest to him. Ultimately, God is a God of relationships. After we come into relationship with him, he desires for us to bring others to him. So here's where we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Relationships have the power to change people's lives for eternity and drive them further away from God or closer to God. So we all crave healthy relationships. So as believers, remember this, 
Relationships have the power to change people's lives for eternity and drive them away from God or closer to God. So as believers, we have a great influence in the lives of others for the good. Isn't it gratifying to hear somebody say your name? If it wasn't for this person, I don't know where I would be. That person was always there for me. So we're called to be different from the world, but if we're not involved in their lives in some capacity, they won't be reached. And I um, talked to this person, Cherie Robinson, who lost her husband years back, and I talked to her about sharing this at a certain point in my classes, I said, because when I put this in my evangelism classes, I said, because I just recently taught a Thrive class, I actually have it in here. When the class gets it, it says, if it wasn't for blank, I don't know where I would be, or blank was always there for me, like a, a line. And what, isn't that great to have somebody say that about us? Not like we're God, but it's great, and that's gratifying. So I went to this funeral. It was a bunch of bikers. And one guy was like, I don't really speak a lot. I'm not very eloquent, but I'm going to share. And he shared so eloquent. It's always the people who say that that ends up. And what he shared was he says, if it wasn't for Bob Robinson, he goes, I do not know where I would be in life. Because Bob showed me that I was worthy in Christ. Whenever I needed prayer, Bob was always there for me. So we have an opportunity to be there for people. And I know there's people who have said that to to me at different points, and it's like, you know what? Like, if I would not have, never have received Christ if it wasn't for you sharing the gospel with me, or if you didn't call me that day, my life was headed in this direction. And we've all been there, but isn't that a great thing to do that we could change people's lives for eternity? Amen. So we're going to wrap up here um, in a few, about five or 10 more minutes. Again, that clock says 15 minutes, but I'm going to try to finish up earlier. Um, so this is where I want to end. We, I'm going to review. We see what a lost person is. It's a person that is hurting and, and desperate, doesn't know their way, number one. Secondly, we talked about every single person, this is a personal mission. Everybody's called to share the gospel. It's not like you buy a car and you can get a radio with it, air conditioning. It comes with the package. It says, I've committed to you the message of reconciliation, whether we like it or not. So we could grow into that. And then finally, we see it's all going to happen as evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God, loving God and loving people. And Jesus, but here's the key. We have got to get away from a religious attitude. Well, I just don't like to be around that person. Personally, I enjoy being around people who don't know the Lord. I do. Like, I really do. And I feel like it's so important to be in their lives. So Jesus even thought like this. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Friend even means a companion. Think about that. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And he told stories about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. He always told them in front of religious people. So we're going to finish up with the story of Zacchaeus. I'm going to paraphrase it for sake of time. So in Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered. Actually, I'm going to read right through and pass through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, see I want to stop there because in our lives, when people encounter God, when we're part of that, 
you're always going to remember that place. I could remember times where what I was doing specifically when I spoke a word to somebody 20 years ago, like, oh, I was looking down at the ground, and there was a spot on the ground. I walked up, and I went over and said something. And that person, if you've seen them years later, they'll say the same thing to you. Yes, I remember. I remember when you did this. I remember there was a person who his father had passed away. I never did a funeral before in my life. This is before I was a minister on paper, but always a minister of reconciliation. And I did his father's funeral for him, literally wrote it out for him and said, here, this is what you're going to say when you go to your father's funeral. And he got there and he looked and he said, the scripture on my father's tombstone was exactly the scripture you put at the top. And then he said to me, years later, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget what you did for me. People remember the place. People remember the spot that that happened. So Jesus came to the place. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying he was, has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said, and today's salvation has come to this house because he also was a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There we see it again. So here's what we can learn from Zacchaeus' life and then we're gonna wrap up. If we don't get involved in the lives of the lost, they will not be reached. We need to seize every opportunity. It says, when Jesus came to that place, When we love people with a radical and unconditional love, their hearts are changed forever. Think about Zacchaeus. Think about how filthy he was a chief tax collector and how he knew what he was involved in. And Jesus is like, I'm staying at your house. Let's be honest. If Jesus walked in this room right now, some of us would be like, oh God, I got to go clean the house before Jesus is coming over. But like, he doesn't know already, but that's beside the point. You would actually walk through, you would think, okay, he's probably going to go up to Pastor Joe. He's probably got ministry business to talk about. Maybe Pastor Rick, Pastor, but me, a dirty tax collector in the back. Now I got to say this joke here because it's worth it. I know the case is Italian. Number one, he's short. Number two, he's a tax collector. Number three, Jesus was staying at his house. He knew where he was going to get the good food. Jesus isn't stupid. That's my joke for the day. That was actually a planned one. But anyway, and this is, this is the key, a religious attitude. And this is the big one. This is the big one about Zacchaeus. A religious attitude towards the lost will short circuit the power of God. This, oh, he's a guest of sinners. Oh, don't bring that guy over his house. He's a little kooky. Well, he needs Jesus. I was kooky too. So no matter how much a wealth, no matter how much wealth a person has, or what they look like on the outside internally, they still need Christ. And this is awesome. I love it. God saw the true potential in Zacchaeus and not his current sinful state. How many can guess Zacchaeus's name? Dirty, filthy tax collector, short guy, guy in the tree. No, it means clean and pure. That's his name. God called him clean and pure before he even met him. Zacchaeus, that's his name. He, God calls things that is not as though they were. That's how he saw Zacchaeus. He may have not seen himself that way, so we need to start seeing people as clean and pure. Make allowance for one another's faults. So 
We're going to wrap up here. I said you have a personal and valuable part to play in reaching the lost. I said that we we have to take this mission personally, and we're going to carry it out with those two relationships. So you and me, if you're going to remember anything, I want this to ring in, in our ears as we leave here. You have a personal and valuable part to play in reaching the lost. I usually like to end with an action step, right? We always like to do that. Leanne, you're going to go to the Wawa and minister to somebody. Hey, Pastor Beth, you're going to go to Walmart. Pastor Pam, you're going to go to Rainbow Diner. It's all on Pastor. I'm just kidding. No, we're not going to do that. Why? Because it kind of goes against the grain of what I just said, right? What you're going to do, what we're going to do, this is our action step. Bring Mark 12, 30 to 31. We're going to live this scripture. We're going to make it a point to come after God with all our hearts. We're going to spend time with God. We're going to get all the passion killers out of our life, the things that pull us out of the presence of God. And we're going to go for his presence, and we're going to live this scripture. We're going to live it. The first in importance, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. That's what we're going to do. That's our action step. Go be a Christian and be an expert at loving God and loving people. That's our action step. And Kurt Warner, I'm going to wrap up here. Kurt Warner said this. He's a a Christian football player. He was talking about somebody who didn't want to mentor a younger guy on a football team. And people are like, well, I agree. You know, I agree. He has his things to do. He's trying to learn too. And Kurt, Kurt Warner made a statement. He goes, well, I'm not saying anything bad about this older quarterback who won't mentor the younger guy. He's like, but for me, I see it as wrong because you got to be willing to do whatever it takes for your team if you sign up for that organization. So if I sign up for that football team, I'm saying that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be successful in that organization, what they want me to do. And he says, so that's what I did. And he goes, when you really think about it, he's kind of shortchanging himself because he doesn't take up that much of his time. By mentoring this other quarterback, he could just bring him along in everything he's doing already, right? He could say, hey, come with me in the, in the game film. Watch how I prepare. Well, it's kind of the same thing with evangelism. Yeah, there's a sacrificial portion to it, but you could still go shopping. Just call one of your girlfriends that doesn't know Christ and say, I want to bless you with a top. Come with me, hang out. You still did the same thing, but you did it in it with a different perception. So it's a matter of go out here with a different perception. Don't necessarily, yeah, we can do some things different, but does that make sense? So if you could just stand up um, again, I'm going off that clock, so we're, we're, we're finished here. But again, this has been such a blessing. So I just want to uh, pray, pl- uh, pray this scripture. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. So I'm just going to pray that as we spend time with the Lord, he opens the doors for us to just overflow and, and just be who we are. And let's just make a commitment in our hearts and say, Lord, Help me to get the things out of my life that are passion killers. And if you're here and you never received Christ and you want to know him personally and you never ask him into your heart and you're like, what does it mean to have a personal relationship with God? It's this simple. I talked about what it means to be lost, right? Being lost means you're, you're, you're separated from God or um, for eternity and... You don't have a relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't love us and come after us, but it says the wages of sin is death, and that's that sin that came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, 
that came in between our relationship with God. And that's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross to, to, to take care of the sin so we could come back into relationship with him. He paid the price for our sin so we can come back into a relationship with the Father. And it's, it's the thing that's going to give us peace. It's the thing that we've been looking for. And I believe most people here know Christ. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ and you're like, I, I don't have it all figured out, but I know this. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose again on the third day, right? So I could have a personal relationship with him. I could come back into relationship with Christ and live for, with God in eternity forever. If you want to do that, raise your hand if you're here. All right, put your hand up again. All right, I see a few people. Okay, so we're, let's all pray this together because you could... Get in on the prayer with our church, your family now. We're going to pray the prayer of salvation. And in our hearts, we're just going to make a commitment to God to love God and love people. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything, sickness, finances, you're going through something, just come up here. Our prayer team is equipped to pray. So let's all close our eyes. And the people that we're all going to pray together, but those praying it for the first time, um, let's pray. Father, Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, and rose again for, my for my sins. I believe, I believe that, he's the son of God, that he's the Son of God, and I believe, I believe that I, if, I him, if I ask him to be my Father, be my father he'll, send his Holy Spirit he'll send His Holy Spirit to live inside of me. Inside of me. So Jesus, Jesus, I thank you, I thank you for, forgiving my sins. for forgiving my sins. I thank you that I'm a child of God, I'm a new person, and you're my father, in Jesus' name. And let's all just pray this together. Father, in my heart of hearts, I ask for forgiveness for anything that may come between my relationship with you and I thank you, and I thank you that you're going to give me the grace, me grace to, love you to love you and love people, and love people with, all my heart. with all my heart. And I thank you, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. For your Holy Spirit. And, I and I thank you for your love for me, for love for me. and help me, and help me to, love to love people the way you love me. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. It was a blessing to teach you guys. Like I said, if you need prayer, just come up here. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.